Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. When I live our lives as a reflection of and a testimony to what Jesus did and accomplished, what he provided for us when he came the first time, we also want to live our lives in expectation and with our eyes on the fact that he's coming again. We want to live our lives in such a way that we are ready and that we are contributing to and we're preparing for that great coming. We thank you today for the Holy Spirit who helps us do that as we look into the Word today. That we'll receive something that will enable us to live glorious lives in Jesus' precious name. If you can agree with that, say amen. Amen, amen. All right. Why don't you just tell somebody, uh, Jesus is coming again. Glad you're here today. You can sit down. Thank you, worship team. Thank you so much. Praise God. Uh, Every Sunday night, we do have prayer. This last month, and finally, this is the last the last Sunday of this month, we've been focusing in on education, praying for education. This Sunday is, uh, is our mission Sunday, and Jenny was talking about the work that's going on in Papua New Guinea, and I saw Wes back here. He's come back from Papua New Guinea, and he goes and comes to and fro from different places, India and all. And so we have different, different people, different ministers among us that are going to and fro. And we love the Great Commission and where it takes us and how far it can take us. But we also have, uh, we have a Great Commission that helps us be uh, Christians at home. Aren't you glad that we can get people saved at home? And so uh, this last Sunday when we were praying, we noted the fact that we've got amazing missionaries in the schools themselves, teachers, administrators, youth ministries, and, and students themselves that are actually sent into this wonderful school environment. And uh, let's agree together there's a great move of God moving across the, the, the students of Australia. Hallelujah. Great, great move of God. So that's tonight. If you want to help join in on that, that particular subject, that's at 6 to 7 tonight. Praise God. Tony mentioned that we're going to finish up on Glad You Ask. So we've got another question for that. And so if you uh, will look at our question, there's been some really interesting questions that come. I've seen this question before. I've heard this question before. But uh, we're going to... We're gonna, um, jump into it together today and here it is I don't know how to come back and I think think what they're asking is how to answer I don't know how to answer when my unsaved friends and relatives say I'd be a Christian if it weren't for all the hypocrites in church does anyone ever heard anything like that yikes yeah that's not so attractive is it 
but uh, nonetheless, it is a question, and so we want to look into it. Now, before we answer the question and get into what else that we're going to look at today, um, we're just going to look at this particular excuse, you know, when people, uh, when we're, um, we bring the gospel to somebody or somebody hears the gospel and they say, well, you know, mm, you know, I, I would go that way, but for hi hypocrites. In the end, uh, the excuse to not make a decision personally between you and Jesus Christ, to make peace between you and Jesus Christ, uh, this particular excuse won't, won't really hold any water at all, any more than um, telling the pol policeman when you pulled, he pulled you over for speeding that um, you needed to hurry and get home. And uh, that doesn't work. You didn't see any compassion in his face at all. He said, well, you were in a hurry? I'm so sorry, I, I held you up. Go, go ahead, go on, go on. No, uh, those kind of excuses just don't, even hold any water, and this one here, that I, I'm not going to make a decision between me and God because of other, um, because of hypocrites and people that say they're Christian but then act a completely different way. So for the person, the individual person, that kind of an excuse just doesn't have any weight at all and hold any bearing at all. The only thing, though, that we do want to see, and, and that's what we want to address in the, whole, in the whole of what we're looking at today, is that as Christians, we actually don't want to make it hard for people to receive the Lord. We, uh, you know, Jesus, when he came, he came to represent the Father. The Bible said he was the exact expression of God. And so Jesus isn't, isn't something different than God the Father. Once you ever came to know Jesus, it wasn't it's something different than God. Jesus and the Father are the same. Jesus said so much, so much so that he said, if you've actually seen me, you've what? You've actually seen the Father because we are the same. We act the same. We respond the same in every situation of life. Well, now that you and I are also sons of God. We've been born into this family, and Jesus, our eldest brother, and also uh, God is our Father. We then, if we are acting in such a way that it is so completely different than God, and that somebody would have to have a whole other experience other than meeting us to get to know God, uh, that's not so very good, is it? And that's where the word hypocrite comes in because it's like saying that you're something but actually not acting the same way. And we were singing, I love that song, oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Uh, but now the song is over. There's no more music. The, the band has already sat down. There is a way, though, to live in such a way that once the music is over and the band goes and sits down, that your life still sings. Your life still worships. And so where it comes to sharing the gospel with people who have not had the privilege of knowing what a beautiful God we have, what a, what a perfect Father we have, what a, what a wonderful Jesus we have. Do we have a wonderful Jesus or what? I mean, in any season of life, in any kind of situation, He is absolutely wonderful.
when we share the gospel, the gospel is the power. And so sometimes somebody can just hear 10 seconds, 30 seconds, one minute of gospel. And because the gospel is the power of God and it is a seed, it goes into their heart and will be there the rest of their life. It is so powerful. When they act on it, they're born again. They call on the name of the Lord, they're born again. And, and it can happen with a very short testimony. It is also important then that if, that, if a, the people that are being witnessed to were to actually follow the witnesser home, <laughs> that they wouldn't see like two different stories. That actually there is a way to live a testimony that we are also preaching. And our example in that is again, um, not, not a church a regulation or a rule, it's actually Jesus Christ. Because Jesus didn't just bring the gospel in word, he actually, what did he do? He lived it. And that we're instructed not to just love only in word, but also how? In deed and in truth. So if we're going to, um, if we're going to uh, be a witness in word and also in, in deed, we're going to look at five different things today that help us to not misrepresent the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, to misrepresent the one that we sing to, and he's our Lord. Nobody in here that has come to know the Lord Jesus wants to misrepresent him. We want to actually represent him with our heart and our life. So uh, now we're going to go back and answer that question. I'm going to ask it again. I'm going to answer that question and then go on, move on today. I don't know how to come back or answer when my unsaved friends and relatives say I'd be a Christian if it weren't for all the hypocrites in church. Okay, what can we do to answer that? Um, the first of all, the thing about it uh, that, that we want to do, sometimes that kind of a, a statement can, be, can put a, a, a believer on the defense. And, well, they may be a hypocrite, but I'm not a hypocrite. And so pretty soon... Uh, the focus of the conversation then gets to be a little bit bickering, maybe not between the person that you and the person that you're ministering to, but can the light can get shifted so that you are defensive or that, um, that we start bashing another Christian or somebody who says they're a Christian. And ooh, that only makes it worse. If a conversation can get us to bash another believer or somebody even who says they are. They may not even be a believer, but they're calling themselves a Christian. If their actions brought up in a situation can get you to bash them and put them down, mm, we're making the situation worse. And we're going to see uh, why here in a little while. Where you can you can identify things that are wrong, actions that are wrong. You never want to get drawn into something that makes you the judge. Jesus said in the verse of Scripture, after John three sixteen, he said, I didn't come into the world to condemn the world, 
but that the world through me might be saved. And so if conversations get you into a place where you're judging other believers, yeah, you've lost, you've lost it. We've lost it. And so we don't want to get into a place where we're judging other people, even if what they have been doing is really unchristian, is really bad. Leave them alone. Now, keep going. Another thing to do is take the position that Jesus modeled. When Jesus came, he didn't come and, and look at all, all of us, all of us, and say, you horrible people. I'm amazing. I'm the son of God. I'm amazing. And you are failures. If you just learn to live like me, maybe, you know, maybe. No, he didn't do that, did he? Actually, what salvation did, God sent, God so loved the world. Who did he give, him, give us to? He gave Jesus to us. So Jesus didn't stay up there with the Father. Jesus came and stood with us. So the example then is this, that we don't, in those kind of conversations, um, disown one another. If Jesus didn't disown us, and we were even his, we w didn't even know him. We didn't care anything about him, and he didn't disown us. Don't get drawn into conversations where you disown one another because of your actions. Oh, I can't believe they did that. That's terrible. They're not, I, I'm, I even doubt they're even Christians. They're terrible. That's just such a disgrace. Don't get drawn into that, okay? Because that's exactly unchristian. Also, judging is not Christian according to Jesus, okay? Well, what do you do? Can, uh, can actions be identified? Actions can be identified, but don't bash people. We don't bash people. We do want to do this. Get the conversation off of people, and you can get the conversation off of what they've done. The tactic of the devil is to do all kinds of things to get distraction away from Jesus. Isn't Jesus the Savior? So what he'll try to do is do all kinds of things to get everybody's attention on the hypocrite, on what, are, what they've done, on na-na-na-na-na. Get the attention on God. Say, you know what? That, those actions aren't, aren't, um, aren't representative of our Father. Let me tell you about God. He's wonderful. He's good. Start talking about God. He's so good. He's so, he's so loving. He's so forgiving. He's so good. He's so kind. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about my experience with Jesus. He's perfect. He never is wrong. He always says the right thing. So people aren't the Savior. Jesus is the Savior. So if they've gotten distracted with people, help get their attention back on the Savior. Isn't he a beautiful thing to look upon? Absolutely, he is. But now, you can say this. Say, you know, we don't identify yourself as a Christian. And not, not with a finger pointed. Identify yourself as a Christian. You know, say, our wonderful Heavenly Father presented, provided a way for us to, to be um, like him. 
to actually represent him. He provided a way. But not all of us are very good at it yet. Not all of us even know that way. Not all of us have learned that there is a way that we can represent him. We do, some, some of us don't even, not some of them, some of us don't even know it. Do you see the difference? Some of us don't even know. And um, I'm so sorry for those things that have been done wrong. You say, well, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not going to identify with anybody who's done something wrong. What about Jesus? Didn't he identify with people that did something wrong? He sure identified with me. So let, 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 let's, let's, not, let's not be pointing, say, you know, I'm so sorry um, that one of us disappointed. As a Christian, I'm so sorry. What was done wasn't right. It didn't represent the Father. Let me again, let me tell you about our Father. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about what the Bible says about him. So now we're going to look at these five different things that we can do to actually represent him as opposed to misrepresenting him, which the world calls that hypocrisy. So we're going to look at what we can do to represent him. And there's more, but I'm just grabbing five, and let's look at the first one. It's be honest. Be honest. And we're going to piggyback to what we've just been talking about. Be honest. Uh, Jesus said, I am the truth. And so when I'm saying be honest, don't lie. And there's plenty of things in the, in the New Testament talk about that. But I'm not just saying about speaking true words. I'm saying be honest in this regard. If something that you have done in a, in a work environment, in a friendship environment, in, um, in a relative environment, school, if something you have done isn't Christian, if, if, if we, okay, can we make ourselves feel a little bit better in here? Has anybody done something wrong since you got saved? I mean, since you got saved, like last week. Okay, so, and also, but if we do, if we do something, be honest and say, you know what? I blew it. That is not like my father. That kind of thing that I just did, not, did right now isn't like him. Let me tell you about him. <laughs> All right? Put space between that action and him. Don't defend it. Well, it's not my fault. They just made me do it. Mm. There, weren't, there weren't those people around me. I wouldn't have done that. No. Just be honest. I did the wrong thing. I took something from the office I shouldn't have taken. I'm really, I feel bad about that because it's not who I am and it's certainly not the way my father is. It's certainly not the way Jesus is. Okay, so be honest. And that affects this. Look at Proverbs 25 and verse 30, uh, 26. Proverbs 25 and verse 26. It says, like a muddied fountain or a polluted spring is a righteous man who yields falls down and compromises his integrity before the wicked. So, when we are giving the gospel to people, we're giving them life. We're giving them, and, 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 and life is, is uh, likened unto water. Jesus said, come to me and drink. 
and out of your innermost being drink living water. Out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Well, that's what we're giving to other people. What compromising does is it puts dirt in the water. And so the water is beautiful. But I don't know, have, is, is muddy water anything you want to just give to your mates when they come over? Not so much. And so compromising and in the way that we act or talk, or it's, it's like putting dirt in the water. There's nothing wrong that comes from Jesus. But sometimes we put dirt in the water. I have. I didn't mean to. But when you do, say, you know, I'm sorry. I've misrepresented God. He's perfect. He's always love. I got mad. Okay, I flew off the handle. I lost my temper with, my, with, with you. And, and you know what? That isn't right. Be honest. Not just with God. Be honest with people. Okay, got that? Now here's another one. Good deeds. Good deeds. Now when we're talking about good deeds, it's not just good lifestyle. Look, good lifestyle is important too, but the good deeds that Jesus is talking about here in Matthew 5 and verse 16, he said, let your light, what? Let it shine before people that they would see your good works or good deeds. That is your lifestyle, but it's more than that. They are actually acts of kindness like the good Samaritan did. That kind of good deed. And where that, you know, that, that man that was beaten up by robbers, there were religious people that went by him. One was a priest and one was a Levite. That was a, minister, a worker in the church and then the preacher himself walked by this guy that got beaten up and they just, they, they went by him and looked the other way. And then there was this good Samaritan. And he just rolled up his sleeve, got in there and, and started helping that guy. And Jesus said, he really made a whole sermon about that. What we did, what we do as representatives of the Father, good deeds are not just going to church to preach and yeah, that kind of a deal. It's actually, if you see somebody in a pickle, see somebody in a, having a hard time, do something. Good deeds. Um, I read a, a missionary story uh, from an old missionary. He's in heaven, but... Um, he spent most of his years in India and he said that good deeds are synonymous with Christians. Good deeds like the building of hospitals, clinics, schools, uh, different things like that, universities, and not only that, but even the social, the social welfare, uh, different, different um, different things that are developed to help people socially in their, in their distresses didn't originate with government. It originated in the church. And these kind of things are called Christian, even by Hindu people or Buddhist people. Good deeds like that are called the Christian thing to do. We didn't come up with that terminology. 
They came up with that terminology. Why? Because good deeds like that, helping people, not just watching, not just, you know, judging people, but getting out there and helping people expresses the heart of the Father. God doesn't just casually observe the hurting people from heaven. He does something about it. Aren't you thankful that he does? So these are, that's the second thing we can do. The third thing we can do is forgive. Of course, you knew that was going to be in there. But it is synonymous with Christian. In fact, I don't know if anybody in your family or friends has ever used that against you. You say, well, if you're supposed to be a Christian, you, you should just forgive. I don't know if you've ever heard that kind of a thing, that they think they can do anything. And, well, if you're supposed to be such a good Christian, then, you know, I, all Christians are just supposed to forgive. The truth of the matter is, uh-huh, <laughs> we forgive. Why? Because God does. Who does he forgive? Just nice people and, and barely anything, you know, well, I'd forgive you if it wasn't so horrible what you did. No, he, he paid the price for all forgiveness. Amazing. So Jesus said this in Matthew 5th chapter. He said, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I say, say Jesus says. This is what Jesus says. Love your enemies. So what is synonymous with Christian we love our enemies. Yeah, we do. We love our enemies. And not only do we love them, we actually pray for them. We pray that God will kill them. No, we don't. <laughs> we don't pray that God will kill them. That's not what we pray. Pray for those who persecute you. We pray and we bless them. We ask God to help them. We ask God to give them life. Don't we? And to keep going in that way, you'll be in that way. In what way? Forgiving and praying for enemies. You'll be acting like your true, as true children of your Father in heaven. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. If we don't do that, if there's some reason why we think, I'm excused from forgiving, I'm not doing it. In that moment, we're misrepresenting him. Bottom line, we forgive. Sometimes the people that you forgive are the ones closest to you and the ones you know. Sometimes enemies emerge that you don't, you've never seen before and you don't know. There's uh, one of the, something happened to me one time. Uh, this is when we were in the church, um, the, the first church where we were located before we moved here to this facility. And we were, um, we were there, and I was coming from some other place. I was driving up Queens Road, uh, Queen Street, Queens Road, whatever, what is it, Road, uh, to, to get to the church. I pulled up to the stoplight, and um, I just happened to look to my right. And the car that was pulled up beside me, there was a, one lady in the car random she starts yelling at me like with a mean face and I could tell she was cussing and she was doing like her face was like this she was yelling at me and and like 
manifestation. I was like, who? What is that? I didn't have, I thought, I don't even know you. How weird is this? So I'm just like, ah. And, and pretty soon the light turned green. And I just went on. <laughs> I didn't look back at her because I just thought, who needs a second helping of demon? <laughs> it was terrible. So I just drove on, and then I pulled into uh, the entrance to go up into the church parking lot, and that's where I went. And I was like, "Oh my land!" But on in between that park, uh, that stoplight, and the church parking lot, I remembered this verse of scripture. Aren't you thankful that the Holy Spirit reminds you of the Word, not just in church, but where you need it and when you need it? So I was driving along, and I remembered what Jesus said, and I prayed for that girl. I said, Dear God, I do not know who that woman is, but she needs you. She needs help. Isn't that the truth? If she could have gotten to me, I think she would have tried to... to scratch me and hit me and she just had she was like that at me and so I said God help her have mercy on her get truth to her well and then I went to the church do you know what I've told that story in Bible school because I teach this I gave that as an illustration of always praying for your enemies but I that's all I knew about that story. Do you know about three weeks ago I was having tea with one of the precious ladies in our church and she said, you know there's a story that you told in Bible school about and she told me this story. She said, you know what? I was the girl in the car. <laughs> she said, I remember that. I remember you. I remember what I did. I remember that. She said, I hated everything. I wanted to commit suicide. She said, I was just at my end. And then that happened. And she said, I just happened to notice that you pulled into, the, into that parking lot of the church up there. And she noticed that it was a church. She said, it was just a little time. She went to the church, got saved, filled with the Holy Spirit, went to Bible school. She's a part of our church family. How does that happen? The very people that are meant to be, in, are desiring to be enemies of us, if we actually get, listen, if we actually, wait for it, act like Jesus. Wouldn't that be refreshing for Christians to act like Jesus? Praise God. It opens up wonderful way for the gospel to get to them. Now let's look at another one. Not complaining is the fourth. Really? We're just looking at four different ways that identify you as a Christian. The first one that identifies us as a Christian is be honest. If you've done right, if you've done something wrong, be honest. The second one was good deeds. The third one was forgiving. The fourth one is we don't complain. We just don't. You say, I do. <laughs> Sometimes I have done things 
don't represent my father either way. I've done it. I think everyone in here has. But Christians just don't complain. And it's not because everybody's life is peachy. It's just that that's not the way we use our mouths. Why? Because to do so misrepresents him. Let's look at this. Philippians 2 and verse 14 says, Live a cheerful life. Live a cheerful life. I'm just going to just say that again. Live a cheerful life. Does that just mean that everything in your life is just sweet and wonderful? Everybody loves you and you love everybody and you don't have any issues and no one around you does either. No, it doesn't. Cheerful life is something that you choose to do. It really has nothing to do with what's happening around you. You are cheerful. Live a cheerful life without complaining or division among yourself. Go on to verse 15. For then you will be seen as an innocent, faultless, and pure child of God. Yeah, but what if you don't do that? What if you do complain and make it comes into division? You won't be seen as a child of God. You can say you wear, you wear fierce, fierce fish earrings and a great big cross around your neck, carry a Bible or whatever, and that'll be the only indication of Christian. But if we actually want to be seen as a child of, of our Father, notice what it goes on to say. Even though you live in the midst of a brutal and a perverse culture, for you will appear among them as shining lights. And we want to be the light of the world, but what does that look like? I mean, you know, oh, light, we want to be the light, we want to shine our lights. What does that look like? Well, one thing that it is, is we just don't complain. So when you're in, uh, with your friends and everybody's complaining about assignments, everybody's playing, complaining about their work schedule and, and work environment and boss and everybody's work, ratcheting all kind of We just don't do that. We just don't go there. We don't have to condemn other people that are like, now you need to stop complaining. Let's just put these guns away, shall we? <laughs> Let's just shine the light, can we? It gives opportunity then for people to see him, see him. Okay, the last one, the last one is loving. The last one is loving. Is that different than forgiving? Well, they're pretty close. I mean, you know, they can be one and the same. To loving, to love, you must forgive. But we, we're separating it out for just this reason. We want to look at it a little closer. John 17 and verse 23. Look at the verse. I and Jesus is talking. He said to the Father. He said, I in them. He's talking about us. I in them. And you, Father, in me, 
May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me, even if the world has never gotten to hear John 3.16 and hear the group sing it on this Sunday morning. They shouldn't have to have heard that voice to be able to have another living testimony or the written testimony or the, the spoken testimony that God sent his only begotten son into the world that whoever believes on him wouldn't perish but have eternal life can actually be confused. That word testimony can actually be confused by fighting Christians. Je look at that. Jesus said, by this will they know that you sent me. By, by what will they know? That they have unity. You know who knows that one of the most powerful truths that have, has ever, ever been for this human race is what we sang today, John 3.16. It can change people's lives. How many of you, Jesus, has changed your life? Well, it'll change, he'll change other people's lives too. The devil knows that. So you know what he will cleverly do? To turn the volume down on the power of John 3.16, he'll get believers to talk ugly about one another. He'll get, and I won't take time to go there, but in Titus, the second chapter, for, for w w wives that don't love their husbands, that bash their husbands, dishonor their husbands, the Bible says that the word of God is blasphemed by a blabbermouth wife that talks bad about her husband. Who knew that? We just don't do that. Husbands don't bash their wives and expect their testimony of Jesus to be good. And wives don't bash their husbands and expect for their testimony of Jesus to be good. Because this verse of Scripture says that they will know that God sent his only son, let, they, let them have unity. So the devil pokes at this unity between believers, between families, and even between churches. We just don't talk about other churches bad. We don't talk about one another bad. We pray for... Okay, are we perfect? No. No, we're not. that didn't stop Jesus from loving us when we weren't perfect and you know what we're his children so mistakes don't keep us from loving one another why because we are we are our father's children and we're like him and if we're going to represent him we represent this kind of love and if somebody bad mouths us we don't badmouth them back. We pray for them. Somebody hurts us and hurts our kids. I'm tempted to roll up my arms and do some damage on them. But then you have to decide, am I going to represent Jesus or am I going to represent my rights? Forget you, Jesus. I would like to bash this person. 
Forget, forget anybody, your reputation. I've got a reputation to withhold, upstand. <laughs> now that we're born again, it's not just your name. You've taken another name. It's the name of Jesus. And there is one name, one name that saves. One name. Can we say that name together? Jesus. Let's live for the glory of that name. Amen. How can we do this? I'm going to just, while the band is coming, there are five things that Ephesians tells us to imitate God. Imitate God like little children. You say, how can I imitate God? He's perfect. And I am so not. There's five things that we can do to be able to imitate God right. Number one, well, these five things all have to do with our relationship with him. You cannot represent God right without a relationship with him. You will end up misrepresenting him. You have to have a relationship the first, thing, the first part of the relationship is Jesus has to be your Lord. That's not just a one-time event. That's a daily event. Sometimes I want to do the wrong, wrong thing, but Jesus is my Lord. Not just on paper. He actually has a say in my life. Make him your Lord. Choose his Lordship and continue to choose his lordship. Number two, talk to him. Talk to God. Tell him what it is you're dealing with. He gives wisdom and grace and strength and ability that obviously he gave to Jesus so Jesus continued to represent him. He gives the same thing to us when we come to him so that we can represent and not misrepresent him. Look, number three, listen to him and his word. Listen to his word. I have found this. If you're having consistent bad stuff come out, then there may be a good chance bad stuff is coming in. You're, we're listening to the wrong thing. Even in conversation or what we're entertaining ourselves with, it affects what comes out. Listen to him and his word. It's clean. His word is clean. Number four, fellowship with his family. Fellowship with his family. There's some people are really good with parts of his personality. Think about, because I, 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 I can see your faces, different ones that I've had opportunity and really privilege to get to know a bit. There's there's aspects of him I see in you. And we're all together. We acknowledge him in one another. He's beautiful among us. The last thing, the fifth thing, is trust and obey him. Whatever he tells you to do when you're, when you're in this relationship with him, 
trust makes that relationship tighter and tighter and tighter and tighter. So that you're not just remembering a good service, oh, a wonderful podcast that I listened to a month and a half ago or something. No, what have you heard from Jesus today? What have you been saying to Jesus today? Not another season in your life. If it's been another season in your life, the relationship has gone cold. Come on. Heat it up again. He's not holding you back. He's inviting you in. Come on. Fellowship with Him. Have a relationship with Him through His Word and through talking to Him. Trust Him. Whatever He tells you, do it. There's something about that trusting and obeying that puts fire on your life. You'll be a good witness, not just because of your jewelry or your bumper sticker or because wherever you go on a Sunday morning, but because your life glorifies Him. Can we just bow our heads? I'd like us to pray I want to lead you in a prayer and if you could just put your hand on your own chest pray for your own self here dear Heavenly Father go ahead and pray it out loud dear Heavenly Father thank you for loving me and giving Jesus to me even when I was a sinner even when I was your enemy you loved me still Now you live in me. And by your grace and the presence, your presence in me, I represent you. I represent your name. I represent your love. I represent your forgiveness. I represent your heart for people. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at raymond.org.au.